this week, one morning, as I was walking and praying, I felt like the Lord gave me a word about what Pastor Tim was saying a while ago. It comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. I believe that's a word to New Life Church. I believe that's a word to our whole country at this time. If you look at the background of the circumstance that the prophet was in at the time God gave him that, it was a real troubled time. A lot of distress and problems and trouble personally but nationally were going on. And God spoke to the prophet and said that was a word for them at that time. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. We've been in this text for several weeks now from the book of uh, Colossians chapter 3 verses 12 through 14. And my text to deliver today is the part about humility. Well, it's, it's probably going to be silent in here, I would think. I was thinking about that. What person could I reference that would be a good example of humility? And I couldn't think of anyone better than Mother Teresa. That little lady four feet, ten inches tall, who spent her life ministering to the poorest of the poor in India. Other than God's call on her life, she didn't have to do that. But she chose to do it in obedience to the direction that God had given her, and she stuck to it for decades on top of decades. Very much an example of humility. I've discovered something about humility and that is, it does away with narcissism. Because when we understand what humility is, it means to place yourself secondary to someone else. And when you and I develop humility as a lifestyle, you have no reason to feel that you're better than anyone. Let me say that again. If you and I have humility as a lifestyle, we have no reason or platform to think that we are better than anyone at all. Because if I am placing myself secondary to somebody else, I can't say I'm better than you. I deserve something that you don't deserve. Can't do that. Because if I'm doing that, I'm arrogant and probably pride is, in, is involved in it someplace. So the scripture says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against anyone, even as Christ forgave you, you also do, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. As has been said earlier, and I repeat, the two big ideas of this text is behavior follows identity. And that fits very much, not only in the actual words spoken in these verses, but it fits very much 
with the idea of what we're talking about today. Behavior follows identity. If I believe I'm superior to you, I'm going to act that way. Right? Behavior follows identity. If I believe that I'm holy, righteous, and called of God, then I can act like somebody that's holy, righteous, and called of God without a narcissistic attitude. Second big idea is treat others the way that God has treated you. And you know, if we actually do that, that alone will create humility to other people. It won't be just a good slogan or a good idea. It'll be a practical outworking of the life of God that's on the inside of us. Quickly, I want to give you three passages of Scripture. Proverbs 11.2, talking about the, some of the benefits of humility, says, with humility comes wisdom. With humility comes wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is insight. It's seeing things from God's perspective. And if you and I are walking humbly with God, we have the ability then to see them, some things that we haven't seen before. Another passage, 1533 Proverbs. Humility comes before honor. Oh, because many of us look for places or positions or things that would honor us or lift us up or lift our family up or lift our ministry up. Humility comes first. If you want that, you got to live here. I'm actually titled this message today, Humility, the Roadmap to Success. Because I believe that's exactly what it is. And I believe that humility is applicable to every circumstance in life. It works real well in the family. If a husband puts his wife before himself, if a wife puts her husband before herself, if the children put their parents before themselves, are you hearing me? It works real good. But when that doesn't happen that way, conflict arises. Philippians 2.3 says, Humility values others above themselves. That's what I just said. One of the ways you can develop more humility, this is not three points in a poem because I don't have a poem. But one of the first things we can do, there has to be a mindset change. The mind has to change first. Look at this passage. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 has this to say. Let this mind be in you. Some translation says, let this attitude be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found as the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Let that mind, like what Jesus did, 
be in us. In other words, we need to adapt that attitude and that way of thinking. As far as I can tell from Scripture, that's the first thing that needs to be done to, be, to develop more humility. Jesus is the perfect example of humility. I'm going to give you some other examples, but to me, He is the perfect example of what it is to be humble. Do you realize that Jesus was God? In the beginning, in the book of Genesis chapter 1, God said to Himself, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they had a conference in the eternity past. And here's Jesus coming to qualify to be our sacrifice. He laid aside, according to John chapter 17 in verse 3 through 5, I believe it is, He laid aside His glory, His position with the Father to come down and to be the perfect God-man so that He could qualify as our sacrifice. You and I don't comprehend what all He laid aside. It's beyond our knowing at this point, but we know it was something fantastic. He laid it aside and said, I'll come and be the sacrifice. Humbled Himself. Placed you and me above Himself. He placed what we needed above everything that concerned us to die in our place so that we don't have to spend eternity away from God. Second thing, place yourself secondary to another. And I've already said that, but the scripture is James chapter 4 and verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. Place yourself secondary to the Lord first, place yourself secondary in our relationships one with the other. And what will the Lord do? He said, and I'll lift you up. Roadmap to success. Now with GPS, most of us don't even know how to read a roadmap. We just... My car, you can even talk to it and tell it what, where you want to go. A lot of cars, you can do that. You can just tell it... I want to go to do 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 do. There we go. I remember when when those things first came out a number of years ago. I mean, I bought one of these because it was the end thing. I thought this would be so nice to have this. I don't I don't have very many maps and have trouble you know knowing north and south and east and west and all that. So I bought me one of those. One of those you stick on the window, and you you plug it into your cigarette lighter place. And I remember I was going downtown someplace, and so I laboriously typed that thing in and finally got it in right and it was telling me where to turn where to go and I ended up in an open pasture <laughs> I said well you're no good I could have gotten here by myself I didn't need you to go to this it says you have arrived I said no I have not <laughs> I have not arrived but now we don't we don't you know, we don't use maps. We got GPS. But God's got something better than that. Because every time He says, this is the place I want you, He's always correct. Now our problem is sometimes we don't follow His direction. I get kind of miffed sometimes with my GPS. 
you know, I plug in the directions I want to go. Let's say I'm leaving Louisville to go somewhere else, but I don't actually need it right now, but I go ahead and plug it in and, and say start, and it says turn here. And I think, I know a better way to get to the interstate than this street. And so I'll go the way that I know I'm always going, even though that lady in there says, turn here. <laughs> and sometimes I talk to her. I said, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and then she says, recalculating. <laughs> Recalculate, I'm going the way I know to go. And then when I don't know where I'm going, I'll listen to your suggestions. Sometimes we act like that with God. Do you know that? I think sometimes we may do The Lord says, I want you to do this. Lord, I think I've got a shorter path to get there. Lord, I think I know. I don't know about you, but I've done that more times than I'd like to admit. But you know, he's always right. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's success. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 and 6. Likewise, you younger people, kids, listen up, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. So humility comes before promotion. Humility comes before you see the full plan of God manifest. Adapting ourselves to what God wants. That's humility. Placing ourselves secondary. And this is not something just spiritual to talk about in church. This is something practical that works in everyday life. You know, I think it's good to get up every day and say, Jesus, you're Lord today. Well, he's Lord today whether I tell him that or not. I don't make him Lord simply because I told him he was. He is Lord already, but I'm saying, Lord, you're my Lord today. That means you're in charge today. And I want you to make what you want done obvious to me, make it so obvious to me that I know it and can follow it. That's a good thing to do. But sometimes we want to go our way instead. Let me give you another example. Besides Jesus, there's Moses. There's one text in the book of Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3, that says, Now Moses was very humble. King James says, meek. More than all men who were on the face of the earth. Wow. Now, I think Moses actually wrote that. I mean, he wrote, you know, the first five books, right? But I don't think he was being a narcissist when he said that about himself. I think he was writing that under divine inspiration, that Moses was very humble, more humble than everyone else who were living on the face of the earth at that time. That's saying a lot. There's another man in the New Testament, Paul. Look in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Actually, the first three verses before that, verses 4, 5, and 6, Paul gives his pedigree. 
his religious pedigree, his educational pedigree, as it were. And then in verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Wow. Hey, Paul, what, a, what were you like? Well, I was educated at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the top scholars of the world at that time. That's pretty good. You know, if you could name some of the most prestigious universities or seminaries or colleges wherever on the planet, and somebody said, yeah, I went to that one. I graduated summa cum laude. That would be Paul. He said, I counted every bit of that as lost for Christ. Indeed, I count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death. Look what that guy turned his back on. You know why he did? He came to the realization that those things, while important in some respects, had nothing to add to his relationship with Jehovah God. In fact, he had to turn away from all of those things to enter into that relationship with God. He did not earn his salvation, nor do we. But when it came time, when he met the Lord on the road to Damascus, he saw something that was greater than his pedigree. And he said, pedigree, Jesus. Forget this, I'll take Jesus. That's humility. Placing oneself secondary to another. Even if it meant having to turn away from something that was good in some respects, yet did not aid nor help a relationship with God. Folks, you and I need to develop humility. What does the Lord require of us? Do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly with our God. Yes, Lord, I choose you. I choose your way over my way. Again, that decision has to be made frequently. Sometimes, many times in the same day. It really does. Lord, what, what do you want out of this? Don't be like the guy who told me one time, he said, I pray that prayer. Lord, what do you want? And sometimes he speaks to me and I, he says, have you got another idea? I don't think I much like that one. You know, it's like us giving our opinion. If you don't like this opinion, I got another one. You know, God, have you got something else? I don't particularly like this. I'd rather not. But when you really determine that He really is Lord, and the best way for success in this life is Him being Lord, directing you and me where He wants us to go and be, and we're willing to place our ideas, our goals, our vision, whatever, secondary to His, 
reveals will. And that's called humility. So I thought humility was a feeling. You know, I just feel so humble. It was like the guy I heard about who was proud of his humility. Not real humility. That's an emotion. Real humility is carried out in action of determining that we place ourselves secondary to someone else. As we come to a conclusion, I want to put up two questions. They'll be up on the screen for a while. Two applications. And I know this is getting down to where the rubber meets the road. What areas of your life, my life, reveal a need for more humility? You might need to think about that one for a while. What area of our life reveals a need for more humility? Where am I being narcissistic or believe that I'm superior? And in this situation that we talk about racism and things related, many of us white folks need to be serious about that question. Second question, do you need to continue what you're doing or perhaps adjust it to something better? Like prayer, praying a prayer of commitment like Jesus did in the garden when he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. That was a prayer of committal to the will of God. There have been incidences in my life where I've had to do that. And I haven't always done it joyfully. Sometimes I've done it with my heels dug in. I'm, I'm sure nobody else here today has ever done that. But I've done that. One good example. At the end of May of this year, our family has been in Louisville for 39 years. But a little over 39 years ago, we felt like that God wanted us to come to Louisville. I didn't feel like I wanted to come to Louisville. I felt like God said come to Louisville. In fact, Debbie picked it up earlier than I did because I had told Joe Hardy after being up here that I'd pray about it because he kept hounding me. Will you at least pray about it? And I said, I'm not interested in Louisville. I haven't lost anything here. It's a good place to visit, but I don't want to live here. And he said, well, will you at least pray about it? I said, okay, Joe, okay, Joe, I'll pray. We go back to Tennessee, and after about two weeks, one morning I'm shaving, she comes in and says, have you prayed about Louisville? And I said, no. She said, you told Joe Hardy you would. And I said, I know it, I will. I said, have you prayed about it? She said, yes. I said, what did he say? I said, we're supposed to go. I said, no, I rebuked that. So finally I said, yes, I'll pray. And I prayed. And I felt like the Lord said, you're supposed to do that. I don't want to go there. I felt like, you know, Jonah. I wanted to go to Tarshish. But I'm glad finally I said, okay, Lord, if that's what you want, 
I'm willing to do that. And we've been here 39 years. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One of the best decisions we've ever made. You know why? Because it's always best to be in the will of God, no matter where that will leads you. It's always best to be in the will of God, no matter where it goes. I mean, you can be in the most terrible, horrible, conditioned country, whatever. If God said it, it's okay. Why? Because He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And He knows the way through the wilderness. All you and I have to do is follow. He knows what He's doing. I remember a few times, I wonder, Lord, did you really send me here? Are you sure you didn't make a mistake? No, he didn't. I said, okay, yes, Lord, we'll do it. And God has been good to us. And I wouldn't want to live anywhere else on planet Earth than right here. In fact, I expect to finish out my time on Earth right here. Hallelujah. My point is, is there anything that we need to change or adjust so that we can do the will of God in our life? Has God said something to you that you haven't done yet? Haven't been willing to do? Do you know God don't get upset with you if you don't agree with Him the first time He says something? Isn't that good? If God got upset, see, God said, I told you to do it and you didn't do it. So much for you. Do you know He doesn't do that? He keeps talking. He, he keeps talking to us. Sometimes you can ask God why, and He'll answer you. Because this, whatever. He's okay with that. The deal is you finally get to the place you say, Yes, Lord, and mean it, and act accordingly. That's where humility is. 